man-to-man, one-on-one coverage because the safety rolls to Jefferson's side. This guy's like becoming like a circus act. Like he could, <laughs> he could do, he could do this. Von Rock caught a ball with his thighs. We didn't nah, even talk about that. It was more of with his ass. If he throws a good ball, this is a running, catching touchdown, untouched. Right. To become who we want to be as individuals, and at the end of the day, that's how it's be a successful offense. Like, the KP does like these flips after every win. Now I'm like just waiting for him to do his flips. You can tune in anywhere that you guys follow us on social media. Shout out to Jalen Ramsey. He sucks. <laughs> Welcome to the Practice Squad podcast. My name is John. I'm joined by my co-host Mark. We are headed into pretty much the most boring news week for the NFL, but we are here together with a brand new intro. Uh, trying to shout out to Justin and his yeah. and his girlfriend Hannah and Zach. The band got back together and t- tossed that together perfectly. I have no musical ability. I offered to throw some words on there, and John said, "Dude, you're the worst thing I've ever heard." So we kept it with that. But that's damn good. That was awesome. He texted me that a few days ago. He's like, "Hey, a little surprise for you." I played it. I was like, "That's the perfect. That's the perfect sound for what we do on this podcast." Of course, you know, they nail it out you know, the park. Hey, season two, right? We got a little bit more free time. We can make ourselves look a little bit more professional and established. We got some merch going now. Uh, we got a bunch of, you know, new designs from that merch that also helped with our rebranding. We got an intro. We got an intro reel. Like, we're good to go. Um, so, you know, uh, season two, this time we're, we're a professional uh, act out here. So, as I kind of alluded to, though, um, this is a pretty slow news week for football. Now, one thing that is just occurring to me as, um, you know, Mark and I are starting this episode, because, you know, we, we plan out a couple of topics and kind of write out a couple of things and how we're going to get uh, the episode started and, you know, have, have some things to talk about. But one thing we didn't write down that I feel like is a super obvious thing to talk about is the XFL started this week. And Mark, I don't, I don't know if you know that the XFL was going to start this week, or, but like I was out with Hannah on Saturday and I walk into a bar for us to go grab a drink and there's football on. I'm like, oh shit, the XFL started. Let's go. And so, you know, I, I sat down, we were, you know, grabbing this drink and I just sat there and, and watched it for a bit. And honestly, like it was some pretty quality football. Like I was pretty stoked on, well, the fact that you know, anytime you walk into a room and you don't expect football football to be on and there is football on is a good time. But also, like, the actual quality of football was pretty good. So I don't know if you caught any of it or what. I saw some of the highlights, and I have a few former teammates that are playing on some of those teams. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, perfectly timed, right? Like, right when you think football's done and you're going to be absent from being able to watch that for a while, you walk in and, oh, yeah you know, there's still football on. It's obviously a step down from what you're watching the week prior at the Super Bowl, but it's football. And there's a lot of cool things that they're doing with some of the, you know, how they're scoring points and some of the two point conversion rules, three point conversions chance to, you know, instead of an onside kick, go for it on, you know, fourth and whatever, but there's some cool stuff to it um, that I think the NFL can take a look at. There's some really cool stuff with how they interview players throughout the game, how they uh, do um, official replay. There's a lot of cool things that I think the NFL can take a look at, and it's worth taking a look at to see if they want to adapt in any way. But, I mean, football's football, like you said. And, you know, if it's on and I'm not doing anything, like there's not many better things I'll I'll choose to do than just watch some some ball. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Is Of course it's not 
NFL standard, but like, you know, you got to taper your expectations. Like I'll put it this way. I've seen, I've sat through a lot of full college football games in my lifetime that were significantly worse quality football than, than what I watched this past Saturday and Sunday. And I'm not complaining, right? Because then we got eight weeks of XFL, eight weeks of USFL, and then we're like pretty much straight into preseason for NFL. So I'll take that over nothing any day of the week. I'm I'm, uh, pretty stoked on it. And, uh, you know, a couple interesting stories. Um, Paxton Lynch, former Denver Broncos first round draft pick, is the first player (laughs) in football history, as far as I know, to be benched in the NFL the Canadian Football League, the USFL, and the XFL. And that's pretty brutal. I don't feel bad for him because Jackson. he got a nice little paycheck uh, while he was in the NFL. So he did. I think he'll I'm be sure just he's doing a, all right. He'll be okay. Well, and I texted you too. I mean, these guys make 60K a year to essentially play football for 16 weeks, right? I, I think the, the prep is about eight weeks, and then the, the actual season is about eight weeks. And like, you know, for guys like Mark, who really didn't get his shot properly, I think Mark should go and try out for the XFL or the USFL. <laughs> I, th- I think he'd be in good shape. I mean, Mark, you're, I know you're still working out. You're probably pretty conditioned. I know, you know, your hands are probably like riding a bike. You'll get those in tip top shape after running a few routes. Like what's stopping you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's a whole thing. It's like once you lose it, you lose it, man. I've been out of it for a couple of years, you know, it, if it was as big of a thing back then, I mean, maybe I would have considered it. Like when I first stopped, it would I would have had no shame in trying it. But I don't know. I, I don't think hey, I can go perform the way I need to. Kurt Kurt Warner went through the ringer, and he ended up in the, in the show at the end of the day, and ended up being a he damn was bagging groceries, man. He was yep, bagging, bagging groceries, groceries and... arena football, and then hey, got his finally got his look in the NFL, and and we know how that turned out for him. So never too late, Mark. I'm, I'm okay with, you know, coaching and, and doing some podcasting, man. You know, I'm okay with it. <laughs> um, and yeah, and you're a damn good coach too. And you know, who knows where that's going to take you in life. So and uh, probably, you know, at this point too, injury prone, right? I mean, I, I was thinking about even doing some rec league stuff just because it's, it's uh, even George Mason is like a club football team. I'm pretty sure I'd get freaking clobbered even on a club football team. Like, I, I just don't think my body's uh, ready for it anymore. What I'm telling you, man, it's like, it's one of those things. It's not like other sports or other hobbies. Like, once you give it up, you take a few months off. I mean, even when I was still playing, like at the peak of me playing and the very best I ever was is probably my junior college. I pulled my, I partially tore my hamstring and I had to take about four months off and I, I couldn't really do anything. I couldn't run. I, I couldn't bike. I couldn't lift my upper body because like it would still bother my hamstring to bench press or do anything that I wanted to do. So I basically took about four or five months off. I came back in and tried to practice when we got to spring ball. And I mean, I was just a shell of what I was. It took me literally three months to even get close to where I was before my injury. And I honestly, I don't think I ever reached the same like peak that I was at my junior after that injury. And it's just, it wasn't because of the injury. It was just because of the time between it, between when I was injured and when I could play again, it just like, you just lose stuff that you have, your instincts start to disappear and you yeah, just never it's, really get it's back. It's crazy. It's really tough because like, I think this is something that you don't really consider when you're younger, but this goes for anything that I think is like, you know, a very specialized skill set. Cause I, I have had this happen with guitar is like, you get so good at something. And like when you're younger, you think, okay, all I can possibly do is progress at it. 
And then actually you can take steps back and you don't realize that. And like, there's been times where I've taken even a few months off of playing guitar, um, you know, regularly and having a practice, you know, a cadence with that. And I come back and I'm like, Oh man, like I can no longer do some stuff that I could previously do. Uh, being an athlete is no exception. Being an artist is no exception. Like it's, it's all the same thing. And again, like when you're younger, like, I don't think you really realize that until you finally have a moment where you take a step back. And you're like, oh, okay. So like, this is why it's this hard to get yeah. to that level. <laughs> so you either get better or you get worse. You know, they say yeah. that, but it's like a real thing. Like you, you don't stay the same. You're, you're getting worse or you're getting better at whatever you're choosing to, you know, spend your time working on, right? If it's guitar, if it's a sport, it, you know, whatever you're doing, if you're not consistently trying to improve, you are getting worse. You know, there is yep. not many things that you can get better at by, I guess like golf's one of my weird things where like, sometimes I won't play for a while and I'll show up and I'll be like, wait, I got better. <laughs> like I improved, but that's just, I, a weird, I shake like, off the rust. Okay. With golf, you, you and I should definitely, uh, uh, have a couple outings together. It's, it's been a minute for me, but same thing. Like every single time that I pick up the clubs, I think one thing is like when I was younger, I didn't really have the strength to like drive the ball well or anything like that. And now like I, I just kind of have like that dad strength where it's like, oh, like, OK, I can actually drive the ball like, you know, a, a decent a decent length. And then all I just got to do is not suck at my short game and I'm, I'm playing. We're good to go. So, yeah. Um, anyway, sorry about the side conversation to start the podcast <laughs> off. But, you know, that, again, it's the off season hey, happen. One more side conversation before we came on john said that this was a beanie that i'm wearing now my i want to hear i want to hear what people's take is on this because i i don't think it's a beanie i think how you wear it makes it a beanie because there's not you see how there's not a lot of back sag going on here i would say that that's not a beanie it's just a a hat right but if i had it hanging off the back of my head more like a you know skater kind of guy or band guy as as john was trying to get me to say then it would be a beanie am i crazy for saying that or am i wearing a beanie? i just i just think it's the type of hat right because what else are you calling it because it's obviously not a dad hat or like a baseball hat or like it's just a winter hat. hat right i mean winter hat okay am i crazy or i mean i guess people correct us here but i don't know i mean i don't think it's a beanie if i'm wearing a beanie whatever C- correct you not correct us i just i just call it a beanie but um, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm not sure. I actually saw a meme the other day that was like how far down you wear a, a beanie or a winter hat or whatever on your face is like how shady your job is. Right. So like if, if you wear it like way up high, like you're like an artist or like a like a tech developer or something like that. If it's like mid tier, you're like a construction worker and if it's pulled all the way down. You're probably like a drug dealer or something. Do you think yeah. that's a pretty good gauge? Um. Yeah, I think I think the more logical gauge is just like the the higher up it is on your head, the more drugs you do. I think. Okay, but that goes in the opposite <laughs> direction because if it's pulled like all the way down, like you might be up to some shady business. So yeah, you're probably a drug dealer at that point. But if you're wearing it high and mighty, you probably are. You're probably high most of the day. I don't know. Either that, or you know, you're like a hippie or some shit like that. I don't know. I feel like we're looking a lot into the hats, but hey, the way the way people wear hats can tell you a lot about them. I will say that. Yeah, you know. Um, speaking of, we have hats now, um, and we talked about it last week. But the merch store is live. It's uh, www.infinity-merch.com/slash/practice-squad-store if you're trying to pick up some hats. 
Um, they're not beanies or winter hats. They are dad hats, but they are adjustable and you can get them in three different colors. So maybe check it out and, and join this hat debate that Mark and I are having. Um, on football news, I think, I think it's finally time to get there. Um, I think the main thing that I want to talk about, Mark is kind of eager to talk about, is Eric Bieniemy. Now, Eric Bieniemy has interviewed for a head coaching job 16 times throughout his career, and he never has once been hired as a head coach. And the main reason for that, at least what everybody speculates, is that people don't believe that he is actually the offensive mind behind the success of the Kansas City Chiefs because players and coaches alike have essentially said, no, it's it's Andy Reid's show and the enemy's there to help out with some play design or, you know, he, he doesn't call plays. He doesn't really have much uh, control over the passing game from what I understand. Like, that's all Andy Reid. And so he took a job this offseason as an offensive coordinator once again, but this time with the Washington Commanders. And Mark and I's assumption is that it's probably like a prove it year where he's going to try to show, no, he can run a productive offense without Andy Reid. And that will probably set him up to maybe earn a head coaching position in the future. So um, it's an interesting situation. Mark, what's your feelings on it? Um, I have a lot. I, I have a lot to say on this because, I mean, the past few seasons, it's been the same dialogue about Eric Bieniemy every season and there's been different I guess avenues and takes that people have that I don't think is fair to say right there's been the race take has always been a thing with him I think that that's just I'm sure that that happens you know at some times in the hiring process but with Eric Bieniemy the guy's gotten 16 interviews it's not like he's not being considered um and there's I don't know how many black coaches in the NFL but there's a lot of them so I don't, I think we're past the point of saying that I think that's low of people to accuse of the NFL. I mean, you look around you and it's a black dominant players league and there's plenty of black coaches that have been hired. Right. And, have yeah, done a and I job. mean, not to mention like being an offensive coordinator for a two time Super Bowl win. Yeah. I just, I think like, it's, I think you, you take know. a step backwards when you, you, when you start making accusations like that. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that's the case. I, and, and some of his own players, have come out. I mean, LaShawn McCoy has come out and said, listen, like we love Eric Bieniemy. He's a great dude. He's a good guy. He's a good coach, but it would, that doesn't mean you're going to be a good head coach. And we've seen it all the time where people get head coaching jobs that they're maybe not ready for and they fail or they Daniel go from Hackett. having, right. Or they very, go from having, very similar role where it's right, like, right. Hey, you're a great coordinator. You do a great job at what you do as a coordinator. You're not ready to be a head coach. It's a different right. skill set. It's a different and, expectation. You know, and, uh, you know, so there's the race thing that I, I just am so sick of hearing with him. And, and I'm sure he is sick of it. And I'm sure other people are sick of hearing about it. I, I really do think you take a step backwards when you start making that accusation at this point. And then I think the other thing that's big is obviously, yes, the rumor of Andy Reid is the real offensive mind there. Now, Eric Bieniemy, I'm sure, like I've been around, you know, higher level football. And what tends to happen is the head coach is usually a defensive primary guy or an offensive primary guy most of the nfl are offensive primary guys which andy reed is an offense first guy has been his whole career going into a week the offensive staff meets and the head coach has the final say especially if he's an offensive first guy which andy reed has full control he designs the offensive game plan with the rest of the guys that week and then eric Bieniemy calls the plays that they together with receivers running backs all line everybody with them together calls the plays and then in the game calls most of the plays so eric Bannemi is doing a lot but the game plan the structure 
building around the personnel that you have, that's Andy Reid's cup of tea. That's what a head coach is good at. I don't think Eric Bieniemy has that skill set. So to become a head coach, which LaShawn McCoy alluded to, you know, in these offensive staff meetings with with and then when players join the room, Eric Bieniemy is not the one going over film breakdown as an offense. He talks to the running backs. He's a former running backs coach. He's a running backs guru. But I can tell you this in terms of offensive staff, at least in terms of the staffs I've been around, the running backs coach is probably the least intelligent offensive mind on a coaching staff. Run here, run there. Block this guy or block that guy. It's a very simple coaching position, right? And I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to discredit running backs coaches, but in terms of like if I were to hire an OC or a guy to be a head coach, running backs coaches are usually the last guy. It's different. And it's like, I mean, even if you take a step up to a passing game coordinator, like then you're talking about pre-snap motion and what your intentions are and what your matchups are with the actual personnel you have versus the, you know, the corners or safeties that are potentially going to be matching up against them. And that has a whole different set because as a running backs coach at the very least, yes, there's pre-snap motion and there's blocking and there's things like that. But at the end of the day, like it's offensive line creates hole. You run through that hole. (laughs) It's that's that's what it boils down to. It's a, you know, there's a lot of things to look at with him. And, you know, to me, I just don't think he'd be a very good head coach because of the fact that he's been able to lean on Andy Reid his entire time in Kansas City. We don't really, like you said, approve it year. I think we'll see this year the true ability of Eric Bianami because he will be running the show now. There's not right. someone because Ron Rivera is a defensive minded coach. So right. the offense will go through Eric Bianami. He will design game plan, he will create everything. And the other thing, too, aside from him maybe having Andy Reid as a help, and being a running backs coach, he has the ability of Patrick Mahomes to make him look good. And any any play caller ever that has a stud quarterback like that can hide behind his talent and his ability to check plays. And it on on you know when you're just watching the game, you might think what a great play call, but sometimes Mahomes changed the play, or you know he made a play with his legs and, and extended the play, and you get a lot of credit from how good your players are. And the Chiefs have had loaded rosters; they've had a great quarterback. So he's in the perfect system. That's why I think he's thrived and he has great people helping him and the coaching side of things. Now he's on his own with a not great offensive roster with who knows who's going to play quarterback for the commanders. We'll see, you know, if he's really the guy people are thinking he, I mean, I don't know, dude, if you interview 16 different times for head coaching position, I think there might be something off with your interview. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, like, like all the things that we just mentioned here are probably exactly why owners or managers, you know, have the same trepidation around hiring him. And honestly, I'm excited for him because this was a ballsy move for him. He's taking a risk here, right? He is saying, and, and, but like, I, I honestly appreciate and respect that move where he's like, man, this is a comfortable position. This, I could sit here and, and game plan, you know, for however long I want and have a winning record every year and go deep in the playoffs every year, get a couple more Super Bowl rings. Like that could have continued to been a situation for as long as he wanted to, but he feels like he wants to be a head coach and he's taking a risky step to try to get to that head coaching position. And it might not work out for him, but it it also might work out for him. And for that reason, like I'm excited for him that he's taking that chance. And I do hope that it does work out for him because yeah, he's um, taking a, he's taking a lateral move to try to take a jump forward. Right. Cause I think he's realizing that staying in Andy Reed's shadow, uh, you know, learning from him all those years was great, but it's not, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to get him that head coaching position that he wants. So he realized he's going to have to go prove it 16 times. He's failed. 
and he's had opportunities to get a head coaching job. He knows something's missing. And I think that the elephant in the room is, you know, you're hiding under Andy Reid's success and yeah, you need to prove it yourself. So he's betting on himself. I, I, I would love to see him succeed because he deserves every opportunity, but he's going to have to earn it, you know, and yeah. we'll see. It's a oh, hey, qu question for you, because obviously you've been in these coaching rooms. And for those that don't know, uh, Mark's father is the head coach of the uh, Adam Silanders who Mark coaches for. So how many times have you, like brought up something in that in one of those offensive meetings and your dad is just like totally vetoed it and it has got you know every and then the, single like, the family idea cuffs come off <laughs> every idea i've ever i've ever had he's vetoed first and then it takes either me to yell at him or show him video of someone else doing it or you know sometimes like i'll do a lot of those play scripts on and on practice days and i'll just sometimes i'll just put it in there without him knowing and he'll see it and he goes, what the hell was that? And it will work and he'll have to like see it. Um, or, or some other coach will have to take, take my side and I'll have to like basically get a group effort against him. He will veto 95% of the things that I say the first time he hears it. Oh, that's, that's awesome. But um, you know, there, it's a back and forth thing. And eventually I think we get to a good spot uh, in our game plan because he'll have a bunch of things I disagree with. And then we just kind of eventually come to a well, middle point where it's like, Hey, some of the stuff works and some of my stuff works. So let's do it all. Your dad's stubborn adherence to the triple option is what has made him a legendary high school coach and is what made Adam's football successful. So I totally yeah. understand that part. Um, but yeah, so you obviously have a lot of great ideas of your own and I've seen those trans, how they translate, you know, on the field the past couple of years. Um, so, you know, I guess uh, at some point you're just going to have to stop living in your dad's <laughs> shadow and go take an offensive yeah. coordinator job somewhere else. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So that covers that. Um, another topic that I want to move into. I love this player as a player. I love watching him play football. I need this man to shut his mouth on Twitter. And that man is Micah Parsons. Um, so he was talking all sorts of shit towards Detroit because of the fact that Amon Ra was suggesting that um, we wanted to get Jalen Ramsey over to Detroit. And I think there's a separate conversation about whether or not I think that's a good idea. But Micah was essentially like, no one's coming from LA to Detroit. You guys are a poverty franchise. Like it's just not going to happen. And I just want to personally point out that the Dallas Cowboys, since Micah Parsons has been born, has made the same number of NFC championship appearances as the Detroit Lions have. So, yes, a lot more playoff uh, appearances, but not a whole lot of playoff success. Um, and I don't see any way that Dallas climbs out of that hole anytime soon. I think this year was the best that they've looked. And what did they do? They beat up on a... Uh, they do what they always team. do. Beat up on a Tampa Bay team with a losing record. So they got one step further than they usually do. And they lost to the first good team that they played. So one step forward, two steps back. Okay. Micah Parsons needs to shut his damn mouth. All right. And you could, yeah, he's a great player. It doesn't mean I like him as a player. Uh, player, he does everything that you could possibly ask him to do. And he does it very well. I respect the hell out of him as a player. I mean, he's one of the best players in the league, period. But dude runs his mouth a lot, man runs his mouth a lot and to talk shit about Detroit. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, LA is not a great place to live. I don't know what he's talking about. I, I mean, unless you're a famous actor there, 
kind of one of the shittiest places to be. Yeah, crime opinion. rate and homelessness. Problem crime rate, homelessness. I mean, people are full so. themselves. Like it's yeah. just a it's it's a it's a fantasy land for like the top one percent, and the rest of LA is a shithole. It's hell. So yeah. I mean, it's whatever. Like maybe for Jalen Ramsey, it's great, cool. Uh, he's got perfect weather, but you want to come win football games right now. I think you come to Detroit and that's the first time in a long time we can say that. And for him to try to take a shit on Detroit when they finally are climbing, by the way, we were a fumble on the goal line away from beating their ass. So, yeah. Well, and I got to, uh, are, are we playing the Cowboys next year? Cause I really I hope, hope we so. are. Let me see Detroit schedule. Finance 2023. Um, probably aren't. We are. We are. What? In Detroit? Uh, we we don't know because of... uh. Oh, no. No, it's at Dallas Cowboys. Again? We just... So annoying. We just played there. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. But we are playing them next year, so I hope we smack them in the mouth. Um, and the Micah Parsons can stop running his mouth and... We'll keep uh, tabs. We'll, we'll... Oh, we'll definitely keep receipts on it, for sure. But now I want to get into the conversation... Is Jalen Ramsey worth paying and or trading for, depending on whether or not he gets cut or they try to put him on the trade block? Personally, I say no. I say if we're going to try to trade for somebody, the only person that I think is worth spending potentially a first-round draft pick and taking on a big contract and stuff like that that is currently in the league at his position is Marshawn Lattimore. That's pretty much it in my book. Because the Saints are in a really tough cap situation, and so they might be looking to offload some high-profile players like that. I think Lattimore is just a better fit all around. Uh, he doesn't have that same kind of ego. He has more of a Dan Campbell personality. He's played under Dan Campbell. I think that's a better fit, personally. Um, I think Ramsey's heading towards the end of his prime uh, as a player. I think that he's got a really big ego. I think it's more about him than it is about winning. Like He's gotten his ring. He's not really hungry for that kind of stuff anymore. That's the way I see it. I don't really think, I think Brad Holmes is smarter to really break the bank for a guy like Jalen Ramsey personally. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if we have to do any sort of free agency move. Um, but if we're going to do one, I agree with you that Marshawn Lattimore would be a better fit for all the reasons you just said. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's a great player. And I do think he's got a lot of great football left in him, but it's not always just about your skill set. It there's a culture that the Lions have built, and we're successful with probably not as good of a roster as most of these teams. I think partially because of the culture and the fact that these players buy into an unselfish team feel that Dan Campbell's created, um, which is know, hard as hell to do in the to NFL. To do in the NFL, way. very hard to do. It's a, that's more of a college coaching approach. Um, he's done a great job of that, but Jalen Ramsey doesn't fit that mold. He comes in, he's going to have an ego. Like you said, he's cocky. He's a superstar, right? He's got that LA, you know, vibe mentality. He's going to come into Detroit and think he owns the place before he's done a single thing here. And I don't think that would mix well with the guys that we have who are pretty much all underdogs on our team. I mean, even Jared Goff, who was kind of hyped up his entire career, he was trade away and he had, and he, after having basically given everything to him his whole career at Cal and high school, he's a top recruit, comes to the Rams, goes to a Super Bowl like as a young kid, and then he gets traded away for the superstar Matt Stafford, right? That would piss anyone off, right? If you're Jared Goff, I just took my team to the Super Bowl and no, we didn't win, but I mean, I just took my team to the Super Bowl. You're going to trade me off to Detroit. 
And, and for a guy who's in towards the end of his career, who's never won anything that would piss me off too. Right. So he comes here and he had a prove it year. He did very well. Every, our, everyone on our team, even the guys like Hutchinson, right. They have this underdog approach and Jalen Ramsey is not an underdog. Right. Okay. And I, I and think it also serves Dan Campbell well, and this is partially credit to Brad Holmes as well, that they have the second youngest roster in all of the NFL. And so like these guys that are coming in that are younger, like college is a little bit more fresh in their mind. And I think the, the Dan Campbell cultural style, he can get away with a lot more exactly with what you're saying, because of the fact that we have a really young roster. These guys feel like they got to prove it. They feel like they're underdogs. Um, I mean, shit, even the way that the Amon Ross St. Brown talks, right. Where he's like, it, whatever it was, 13, 14 other receivers got selected in the draft for me. And I remember every single one of their names because I shouldn't have been picked that low. Like that's, uh, that's just that dog mentality, right? The <laughs> like, only guy, honestly, the only guy on our team that was like a top pick that always had the hype was Hawkinson. And we got rid of him. Like yeah. Hawkinson was like, I mean, I can't think of another, you know, golf, but again, for what I just said, golf's an underdog because of what happened with the trade. Like that would, that's, that set him back in terms of where he was headed in his career, right. getting trade away like that reset everything. He was now yeah. a nobody again. And, and the, the Sewell football family's entire brand is being like really humble and good people and stuff like that. Right. So even though he's a first round pick, he, he definitely like, you know, doesn't act like some tool. I mean, offensive linemen in general, I don't think really yeah. make the game. About I, mean, I guess Hutch much. would be the only other like, you know, superstar guy that we have that was always kind of projected to be great. So yeah. and the Jags passed him for a guy that got a quarter right. as many sacks last season. Right. So, so everyone's got a know. chip on their shoulder, I think. And even if you are a superstar, like I think one of the things that made Tom Brady great for so long, Kobe Bryant, Jordan, all these guys, no matter how much credit they got, you know, there was always like they could have a thousand people tell them how great they are. But the one person that says, I don't think you're all that, that's what sticks in their head. Right. So those people are just the ultra competitive people that will always be trying to prove they'll make Michael Jordan. I don't know if you've, have you watched the last dance, the documentary on him? I haven't, but I do know the story that you're about to tell, which is that Jordan would make up things. He would make up shit. just to give himself a higher. He like, would literally fire. pretend he would like psych himself out and pretend someone said something to him that they never said. That's crazy. Like that's just the kind of, and I think that the lions take that kind of approach you know, so so just keep that in mind now as we kind of circle this back to Micah Parsons. The Lions are going to remember today and what he tweeted. Those players are 100%. going to remember it. Dan Campbell's going to see it. It's not going to be a very nice approach when it comes time to play the Cowboys mm -hmm. next year. And it's and not I just don't going know to be on the draw. The Panthers took a few shots as well, and they are on our schedule as well because of the fact that uh, I believe we're playing the entire NFC South this season. We're playing the Falcons, Tampa Saints, and uh, um, Panthers. And yeah, they're uh, so mostly beat writers and stuff like that. But they pretty much were saying, oh, like Reich was able to get all these Detroit coaches to come here because no one wins in Detroit and they wanted a better opportunity here. Like, <laughs> I just, as a, as a Lions fan, man, like I've never been so fired up about this team what we're potentially going to do this off season and everybody we're going to prove wrong going into the season. Cause the thing is, is if you're truly a shitty team and you truly suck, like nobody's even making these comments, right? 
Like people don't aren't making these comments about the Texans right now. Like everybody knows that team sucks, right? What's happening in my opinion is that like we're on a bunch of people's maps and we're sticking out in their minds because they know that like we're an actual threat for the first time in 20, 30 years, right? And that's I think a lot of people well. are in denial. I think I think yeah. that people aren't used to hearing the Detroit Lions talked about in the same sentence as the Dallas Cowboys in terms of competing for playoffs and winning playoff games. So all of a sudden people hear Lions put in the same conversation it almost offends them they're like wait what detroit sucks they always have right they they're a terrible franchise yeah they have yeah. been hey you heard rogers saying it all last season we don't lose all to last that season team. we're gonna beat credit. this team yeah uh pat mcafee as much as i love him and watch his show every day talking a bunch of shit because of the fact that dan campbell wouldn't accept an interview in week 18 uh preparing for what's what was the biggest game of his career that he ended up winning you know, and like all these condescending remarks, Rogers in his head just still thinks it's that same trash team. That same trash team has beat him three of the past four games that they played against each other. So again, look, I don't want to beat the drum too hard. I, Mark and I are pretty stoked for this next next season, but all the like people keep receipts, and like I can guarantee keep you, keep it that, coming, keep this yeah. doubt coming, dude. I listen. I I'll I'll probably at some point doubt the Lions again and I'll come on here and I'll say listen I'm getting a little worried about all this props that people are giving them just like I did this past year and I'll get proven wrong I'll be that guy you know but something needs to fuel the fire and if people you know if you come into the season and think you're just going to roll in there and do what you did last year and win 8 or 9 games it doesn't happen you know you got yeah. you got to come out and play with that underdog pissed off mentality that they played hey. with this year you, you repented know. this past season too, but I like did. that's the thing is, is all these guys, I guarantee you, they right, especially during the off season, they're on social media, they're seeing the shit people are saying. Like you, you can't, you cannot shut your eyes away from it, no matter how hard you try. Like you know what people are saying if you're a player, so um, I'm sure they're gonna remember that. Um, other thing that's kind of worth talking about is just kind of the, the quarterback carousel situation. So Aaron Rodgers is in the darkness. Still, I think he emerges from this the is dark. day four, right? I think this is his last day of the cleanse. From from what I understand, yes. Um, it it might be another day. He he was vague about when exactly he was going in. I'm not exactly sure why, probably just so that we have yet another thing to speculate on pertaining to Aaron Rodgers. But he's gonna come out and it sounds like he's gonna get traded, right? That's everybody from the Green Bay management organization, it makes it sound like Aaron Rodgers is not going to be a member. Packers next year um then you got Derek Carr who is taking interviews with any team that he's that's willing to talk to him right now um there's some speculation around Justin Fields I don't really think that's like anything crazy you got Ryan Tannehill who am I missing Baker Mayfield like there's a lot of quarterbacks that are gonna get shifted around here um what are your predictions just out of the, the four or five that I mentioned there Mark and maybe any that I was potentially missing well, I said this a few uh, episodes ago about Rodgers going to Vegas. And that was back when Tom Brady, Brady had not retired. Um, and you were thinking Brady might go to Vegas because of McDaniels. And then obviously Brady retired, kind of threw a wrench in that. But I think Rodgers to Vegas is probably the most likely thing, especially with Derek Carr visiting the Jets this week and seeming like it was a good both, you know, both sides enjoyed that visit. Uh, I think Derek Carr probably goes to the Jets. And I think that they they think that they have a real chance of being a Super Bowl contender with that pickup. I think Aaron Rodgers goes to Vegas. Um, 
you know, I think some of these other teams, I think that the Colts draft a guy. Um, Colts will draft a guy. Where's Baker Mayfield going? I think he stays in L.A. I think he stays in L.A. I think he develops behind Stafford. Stafford, I think, probably has one, maybe two years left in him. I agree. And I, th- I think Baker has accepted the fact that he maybe does a little bit of a backup role to stay in the league um, and will get another opportunity to be a starter at some point down the road. I think he understands that he needs to take a step back, which is, I think, a maturity step for him. Um, But, I mean, that's where I think – I don't think there's any other crazy things going to happen at the quarterback. Jimmy G. Tampa, maybe. Tampa. I could see him being a Saint. I could also see him being a Panther. Man, uh, the NFC South is really hungry for quarterbacks right yeah. now. I, you I, know I like. I... I prefer Carr as a Saint, honestly. I, I, but Loomis has, which he figures it out every year somehow, some way. But he has a whole lot of cap hell he has to deal with. Um, once again, um, not as bad it, as I previous re- years. You I know what I realized, that. John? What's up? I, I witnessed the last Aaron Rodgers game as a Packer. And we didn't know that that would be the case. Uh, but all those videos of me that I was filming him in pregame when I was down the field talking shit and whatnot was the last of him ever in a Packers uniform. That's crazy. And, didn't, and it didn't really feel like that was the case, you know, because it felt like the Packers. Well, especially since he game. left in disgrace. Yeah. And like, it felt like the Packers were going to win that game. And it just, you know, it felt like, it felt like what we had always seen was going to happen, right? They were going to win. They were going to go to the playoffs, make a run. I mean, everyone was thinking that, especially with Seattle, you know, winning and getting in, and then the Lions weren't playing for a playoff spot anymore. It just felt like, oh, shit, here we go again. And then we played spoiler. And then, you know, obviously there was some rough emotions after the game with the Packers and how that all went down. And then all of a sudden, it seems like they're going to go separate ways. So that was kind of weird to think about, you know? That is bizarre, honestly. And I, as much as I do really like Aaron Rodgers, um, if he if he goes to the Jets Super Bowl window, I think if he goes to the Raiders, like it is not going to be graceful like it was with Tom Brady, where he gets like to kind of remake his entire brand by saying he saved the team, took another team to the Super Bowl. I just don't think the Raiders are in that position personally. Um, Jets, I'd say a little bit more in that position. Pers- like that's. I feel the same way if Carr goes to. By the way, like I think that's truly are like a legitimate, competent franchise QB away from actually being able to put together a pretty deep playoff run. So, I did. I, I know. I know you're. You have your doubts with Vegas. Um, I I understand they got some holes that they got to fix on the defensive side, especially. But they have, they have enough pieces. I think if you add a guy like Aaron Rodgers. In a new environment, you know, he's going to be happier in Vegas. He's going to be back with Devontae. He's going to create connections with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. I think they're going to draft some O-line and some defensive pieces. You still have you still have Chandler Jones and Max Crosby to wreak havoc on quarterbacks. And if you can get some help in the secondary, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think they're as far away from being a contender as you think. Yeah, it's just tough for me because of the fact that I've seen – I guess it's really my faith in – Vegas's ownership and management because I have watched this team yeah. have every opportunity in the world to take that step that you're referring to and like not just shoot themselves in the foot but like blow their entire legs off like every single time <laughs> it's like it's so bad it's embarrassing and like even even how they handled you know Richie Bisaccia who like along with Derek Carr helped pull that season out of the jaws of death 
and actually make it to the playoffs. And what do they do? They get rid of Richie Bisaccia for McDaniels, who's did not have a good run as a, a first year coach with them. And then they get rid of Derek Carr, who has been that team's emotional rock through all of the trials and tribulations that their ownership and management have put them through. And that's what yeah. makes me not have faith in that. It's not so much the players. It's not so much the roster. It's that I have watched this team for a decade, mismanage themselves into the ground, even though they've had some amazing opportunities handed to them on a silver platter to actually take that next step. You're forgetting one huge factor. Mark Davis shaved, shaved his head. the head. Okay, so now he's got evil billionaire persona. and He's, he's got Dr. Results. Evil vibes, dude. Listen, yeah. he's got Dr. Evil vibes. And he's about to get Aaron Rodgers. You know, I love how I just made like an essay thesis on like why Vegas can't do it. And you're like, hey, Mark Davis is bald now. They're good to go. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is, I think people will take my side in this debate. I, I, did you see of, how I just reacted that. to that? I was like, okay, you know what? You're right. Like, yeah. I think you know, you, you made now. every logical point in the world. And then I just was like, yeah, but, you know, Dr. Uh, Evil's your owner. So. I, I think that pretty much sums up, like, even in high school, how he was, right? Sit there and write out an essay thesis about my opinion. But then, like, somebody would come in with the meat ed opinion, and that was the cool one. So we're good to go. Um, okay, other relevant topics. I, I Oh. I, I saw that you, you sent me a, a chat. Okay, so we're 41 minutes into the podcast, and the ticker's down below. Oh, you know, what I got to add too now is the the link to the merch store. Um, should I just take the ticker off and add it right now? If you would like to, I can keep the I can keep the people distracted. I don't know if you check out the Dwight Schrute. This is like basically what I say to, to to John like every single time he speaks. That's my vibe. It, he says a, he says some argument. logical good arguments always. They're always good arguments, and I just. I always have an answer for him, no matter how stupid it sounds. You know. Um. Yeah, but I would say overall this past season, which I guess we're gonna we're gonna put this to the test right now, is I think overall I had better takes throughout the season that ended up being more correct than your takes throughout the season. I would have to agree. I think you. Uh, I think I probably we were probably pretty close on picking winners, but yeah, I think you had probably you had the Lions take from the get go which gives you a ton of points. Um, in the playoffs, I think I beat you. You were picks. better in the playoffs. In the regular season, I was literally statistically better. I, you I were better, I, yeah. On average, guess more winners than you did. Yeah. Um, but neither of us really did all that great with that. Anyways, I'm going to go ahead, hit present here, and Mark and I are actually going to cover um, our pre-season position rankings so for those of you who have actually been watching us for roughly the past year one of the things we did going into the season was we ranked our top five players at each position um like each like critical position so i believe it was wide receivers quarterbacks edge rushers tight ends and running backs were the five that we did and so i thought it would be fun to go back and see how Poorly, most likely, each of these has aged. And then from there, potentially say, okay, how would we revise this now as like a season in review? Uh, who actually was some of those top players? So without further ado, we'll start with wide receivers. Um, 
first look at mine, I'm thinking mid take, bad take because of his injury, mid take, mid take, mid take. Marks, I'd say yours was probably better than mine for two reasons. You got Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs in there. Yeah. I would say I would your only that. your only bad take was Cup. I I wouldn't call Kevin Cooper Cup. So so John and I both have Cooper Cup as our second ranked receiver. Devontae Adams was both for both of us the first. I wouldn't call Cup a bad take because before his injury, he was the leading receiver in the league and he was on pace to come close statistically as he did the season before. And that was on a way worse Rams team. So he was individually having a fantastic season before he, he was their entire offense he was in their entire the offense so he, i yeah. wouldn't say it's a bad take if, barring an injury he would have ended up being probably a top two or three receiver in the league um john has debo as his third jamar chase fourth and tyree kills his fifth i have tyree kill third Diggs fourth and jefferson fifth i i do think me having jefferson in there gives me some points which should be probably higher but having him in Je- the jefferson five, should have been one or two in my opinion yeah Looking um, looking at the season, I'd say Jefferson was like Calvin Johnson esque, where his team wasn't that good. And I mean, he won Offensive Player of the Year. You know, right? I mean, that, exactly. That goes to show he he broke records. He was ridiculous all season long. I, I think having T- Tyree Kill in here is is big for both of us. Uh, he was in a, on a new very team. Productive. He very was very productive, productive even with Jalen Waddle taking a lot of his targets. Tyreek Hill had a great year. And then Devontae Adams, even on a horrible team, still all pro with, with, with a, you know, several different quarterbacks playing Derek Carr playing kind of unhappy. Mm-hmm. Jamar Adams. was plenty productive this season, but I'd say Diggs was a better uh, take and Debo did not have as productive as a season. But the thing with Debo is that like when he gets the ball, he always makes it matter. So I don't, I don't know how I right. would put that. Yeah. I wouldn't have Debo up. in the top five. Yeah. Uh, very great player, but yeah, top I'd, five say, I'd say Diggs and Jeff- Jefferson should, should be in there over chase and, and Debo for sure. Yeah. I like my um, list. I think it's a pretty good list actually. I, I think you were more accurate and Hey, you played wide receivers. So I guess you kind of hope that, right. Um, you, you definitely had a better eye for it. <laughs> Moving on to QBs. Um, mm. I see one that's glaringly bad on both of our lists, and I'd say the rest are pretty damn accurate. Aaron Rodgers on both of our lists in the top. So John's list, we have Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Stafford, Herbert, Mahomes, and my list was Allen, Rodgers, Mahomes, Brady, Burrow. Um. I John, once again I say your list you, was better. I would have to agree. Matthew Stafford on here is bad. It's bad. And and you you said this. I said that in the beginning when, when you did this. Yeah, you said I got what fired up when you did this. Yeah. Oh I yeah, said, I, I you got really upset when I had Stafford on the list in the first place. Um, I'll give that to you. He was not playing well prior to his injury, and then obviously his injury happened. He was out for the rest. Led the, of the league season. in picks. Led the league in picks. Before yep. his injury, and they, I don't know how many games they had won. I think one or two. So bad. Aaron Rodgers being on both our lists, bad. You have him as your top guy. I have, I have him as our, my second guy. He was I bad. I honestly don't know if it's, if it's that bad because he threw more interceptions than he usually did this, this season for sure. But I will not, I'm reluctant to credit Green Bay's failure as a team with his quarterback play. I think he was. He wasn't as good as his past two seasons in which once again, he was MVP in the NFL, but I would say overall, he still was 
probably like a top seven or eight quarterback in the league. Right, would I go? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, head? compared to what we're used to seeing out of him, he needs to be held to a higher standard, especially coming off of an MVP season. He shouldn't be on our either top five. You know, if we had to redo this, he would not be in either list. I think we can both agree yeah. he wouldn't be. Bra- on the top I five. don't think Brady should be on the list either. Uh, with the way he played the season, he was yes. not great. Um, yeah, he he again, same thing. Held him to a higher standard. I had him at four. Uh, again, same thing you said. I don't think you credit the the bad season to Tom Brady. I think you actually have to give him some credit for somehow being in the playoffs with how bad of a team they had around him and the injuries they had around him. But statistically, he was bad. He was nowhere yeah. near what he could be. Or he Most past be. attempts. So I guess you can give him that. But I don't think. Uh, I think that's kind of like a like a participation trophy. Um, exactly. And that, and that's a stat that doesn't matter. I mean. Right. Exactly. Um, as far as who we left out of this. Mm. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Duh. Uh. Yeah, we we both probably should have put a little bit more respect on Hertz's name. I'm I'm I mean, Mahomes is on both of ours. You had him at five, which is, I think he proved you wrong. They're pretty. Yeah, you should have been should be number one on both three. of ours. Yeah, for um, sure. I got Burrow on mine. You don't, and I think he's probably which I should which best, I should have. He's probably he the sh- second best guy in the league. Yeah, he should be there instead of Stafford for sure. And then Josh Allen, we both had probably too high. I don't think yeah. my Herbert he take is bad. I, I don't I think he was I think even playing through injury, he was pretty damn good this year. Not not quite as good as he was the year prior, but he still was I think he held up. Um so who do you think? I mean, there's a few other names that you Trevor Lawrence. Nah. You know I don't I don't think he I don't think he breaks top five. No. I mean, he beat Justin Herbert. Yeah, and he he played some damn good football this year, and I think Kirk Cousins starting, starting to show his no, absolutely not. Kirk Cousins parentheses one o'clock time frame only in quarters <laughs> one through three, and then yeah. then we can have a discussion. I don't um, know. He had plenty of comebacks, dude. I don't know. He man. was the fourth quarter king this year at one o'clock. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Tua, Tua. Look, you take a look at the Miami Dolphins with and without Tua. There's definitely a discussion to be had there. He he had a damn good season. It sucks that he got concussed three times. I am praying that he makes a full recovery for next season, or because I'm actually afraid that his career is going to get cut short. Um, obviously not hoping that's the case. Three concussions in one season is no joke. So, um, edge rushers. Uh, I had Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett. Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, Cameron Jordan. Barring Aaron Donald injury, I am perfectly content with my list, frankly. Um, yeah, Bosa's got to be higher on both of our lists. I have yep. Aaron Donald at one, TJ Watt at two, Nick Bosa third, Garrett, Miles Garrett fourth, and Max Crosby fifth. Um, I would say Jones had a better season than Crosby did, but I don't know if I can statistically back that up. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty close. Bose has got to be higher on both of our lists. Uh, Micah Parsons isn't on either of our lists. Um, you know, but they're not horrible. I think TJ Watt is good where he's at. Miles Garrett wasn't as great as I think people expect him to be this year. Never Cameron mind. Jordan. Max Crosby had 12 and a half sacks, so he, yeah. he belongs on that list. 
for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's those aren't bad lists. I, yeah. I don't think. I mean Cameron lists. Cameron Jordan. I think still. I think he had eleven or twelve sacks on the season. Yeah, he had a good well, year so. again. Yeah, on a bad so. team. You know. Yeah. But, uh, like I said, if Aaron Donald uh, played a full season, I'm sure he would be number one or two as well. So I, I'm not going to say this take was bad because it's not like he played poorly. He just only played half the season. Um, yeah. Tight ends. Uh, <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> so both of our fours are horrible. Um, Kyle Pitts was atrocious this season. Uh, and I would know from experience because I had him on my fantasy roster and I took him, I think, in like the third or fourth round and it did not work out well for me. Um, and then you have Gronk up here because apparently he didn't retire yet. Remember what I said, though? I did say I'm putting Gronk because he's not in the league right now but if he comes back he will have a top five tight end yeah and i i think the those conversations were the loudest around the time we made this list actually about uh brady trying to recruit him back for one more season um but look kelsey's for sure number one kittle's for sure number two um darren waller i'd say i'd say he probably was a five he might not even be in the top five yeah based on he did not have that great of a season um hawkinson had a very productive season and so did dawson knox mark you you were right about knox i picked him up off of uh waivers during fantasy and you know i mean not like a knock it out of the park uh tight end but he was always good for he, a few points he had i think he had five or six straight games with a touchdown there towards the end of the season that he did um, he, he really he had a really good first couple of games not the best midseason, and then a really good end to his season so yeah, I, I think we're both pretty good with this list, except both of our number fours are pretty atrocious. Um, and then RBs. Uh, so yeah, Jonathan Taylor. Um, <laughs> so, so I had Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. You had Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones. My list, Kamara was not a top five running back this year. Um no. I mean, shit, dude. Like, Brees Hall had a really good season until he tore his ACL. Um, honestly, Isaiah Pacheco was really good this past year. I'm trying to think of who else. Um, Jamal Williams had a good... Obviously, Jamal Williams. Who, neither of us could have seen that coming. I mean, breaking no. Barry Sanders' record, I don't think any of us would have witnessed Josh that. Jacobs was the leading rusher with, you know... I- I'll he say was. this. I think I would give this to you because you have Chubb, who was... The, I think he was also a top three rusher. You have Delvin Cook, yeah. who had a great year. Derrick Henry's always pretty consistent, even on his down year. You, uh, you took both, issue with my my Chubb ranking too. I remember that. I did I because no, of I did. I thought he was going to split time more with Kareem, and and he did not. Yeah, so and not, they so uh, had a great year. And I said they were going to lean on him heavy without Watson around, mm-hmm. um, and that's exactly what they did. And I mean, it is and it's what's funny enough too is his productivity did actually drop a little bit when Watson came back because they were rolling right the past game there. Um, he was a freaking bruiser while, while uh, Jacoby Brissett was starter. So yeah, both these lists aren't great. I will no. say, I think I, I think I get huge points for having Eckler. He was yeah. the top running back fantasy wise. Yeah. And he was a stud all season. Um, I'm surprised I actually didn't put him on the list. I, I think uh, I would have probably put him instead of cook or Kamara in hindsight. Um, it's tough, you know, for, for one position for us to be the most wrong on i think this makes sense because running backs truly it's like year over year i mean never here's a piece of advice that i think you can probably take to the bank is uh never draft a fantasy running back purely based off of their performance last season 
I think that's always a move that's gonna that's going to to burn you um, because they never ever match the production of the season before if they are like it's, a top. It's one all about it's all about um, matchups. You know the team around them, uh, the scheme that they're in. I mean, look at what happened with Christian McCaffrey. He, we didn't. Yeah. I, neither of us had him on those list. And I remember when we made those lists, we had a conversation about why a is conversation, he not here. Why it's is he not he's so freaking injury prone? And he that. at the time he was with Carolina, and we yep. were like, he's not going to have a big year. Yep. And we were right before until up till until he was traded, and, and he became probably the top running huge. back in football once he was traded. He was huge so. for the 49ers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean. That, I think that's all the topics we kind of had listed out for this episode, Mark. I don't know if there's anything else you want to mention. We can keep this one a little bit short and sweet since it's such a slow news week. And look, looking forward, I think we got some mock drafts that we should do. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, as we get closer and closer, I think what? Combine's next week. So we're going to have things to talk about related to the Combine. Start putting those mock drafts together. There's some pretty stellar guests coming up. A lot of good stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, this week and then like the the two or three weeks before the preseason really starts are kind of the driest news weeks in football. Um, I, I feel bad for guys like Pat McAfee who have to be on three, four hours a day. I mean, I don't know what they're going to, and I've seen it before. Like they, they pretty much just screw around for two and a half to three of those hours. Cause they don't know what to talk about. Thankfully we just have to talk for an hour a week. We had good football related content, a couple of debates about hats. Um, Listen, you, know, you can talk- always get into a beanie debate. You know, yeah. those are hot That's- right now. The beanie, the beanie debate is going around. It's hot. Uh, a lot of disagreements going around. Yeah, so that's but, out uh, there. We will see you guys next week, potentially with a guest. Uh, we got a few that could be some pretty big ones that we've been talking to. Um, but yeah, um, we'll probably honestly do a little more XFL coverage, too, because I'm going to be watching it. DC Defenders tried to get a beer snake going. Security broke it up. They started throwing lemons on the field. Uh, me and my friends in here in DC saw that and we're just like, okay, we got to go to a defenders game now and act like we're the biggest fans of all time because what, why else do you show up to an XFL game? Got to have some fun. Of course. But, um, yeah, other than that, we will see you guys next week. Um, which should be not quite as slow as this week, as far as NFL news goes, I'm sure stuff will pick up. Yeah. And look, I, I think this was plenty entertaining as an episode, so we will catch you guys next time. Peace. See you guys.